welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. We're going to be talking about controlling spray drift on today's program. And we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Well, on our farm, we're getting close to the end of planting. We've got soybeans that are up. We've got corn that's popping through today uh, that was in the ground a little over two weeks, which is was pretty good for here. Uh, normally, we'll, we'll have seed corn in the ground that long or longer just because we're relatively cold still. But now we're getting highs up into the 70s, and, and occasionally we'll touch 80, so stuff's popping out of the ground pretty fast. So pretty excited about that and just got a few fields yet to plant and and some trial work that we're doing. And it gets to be frustrating. I was talking with Brian about this earlier today that we have so many trials and so many things that we want to check out, new products and um, new ways of doing things, new seed varieties, all those things. And uh, when you're doing lots of new stuff, sometimes you have to wait just a little bit for it all to come together. I, maybe it's just me, Brian. Maybe I'm more frustrated by waiting for things. I just want it all to be done. I want to be done planning. Oh, you there, Brian? Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to say I'm super frustrated. We're fine. We're getting stuff done, and, you know, every year we're going to have rain issues. We're going to have breakdowns. I mean, this is just part of farming. And so I just remember when we were growing up, our dad had a guy that worked for him that every spring he would literally get so stressed out that, I mean, he was about losing his mind. And I just remember our dad said, look, if that's the way that you're going to feel based on the pressure, you need to quit and go do something else. Because here's the deal. When you're on the farm, um, you're going to have a lot of these things that come up, unfortunately, and you just have to let them bounce off. I I mean, yep, we're going to try our best. We know that we are against fighting against Mother Nature a lot of times. We can't control that. Let's just focus on the things we can control. We're going to do the best we can. And, you know, quite frankly, here the last few years, things have turned out really good on the farm. So we don't have a lot to complain about. No, we sure don't. And, you know, we need a little bit of rain right now. That'll be fun. And hopefully we get it soon. So that that will make a difference. You know, one of the things, Brian, that we have gotten questions for the guys that have missed the rains, but have their pre-emerge herbicides out in the field. Some of it's worked in, some of it's still laying on the top. Uh, what do you what do you tell guys that say, I'm nervous that my pre's just not going to work because we aren't catching rain soon enough? Well, it's going to work eventually. It's just a question of when it's going to work. So if you don't have a lot of rain now, then that herbicide is going to work later on in the season. So you'll get something out of it. You're going to get your money out of it. Not that big a deal. But if you wanted that early season weed control to have the better yield, well, here's our, here are our two pieces of advice. Number one, if you can, incorporate it. So that's always going to be my preference. Spray it, incorporate it, and then it's going to take a lot less rainfall to work. Sometimes it'll work with no rain just because there's enough moisture in the soil. But then the other side of it is if you say, okay, well, I don't want to do tillage, so now what's my my second best option? Well, your second best option is spraying two to four weeks in advance. And I know some people get worried about, well, what if I throw too much dirt out of the row? You know, we rarely, rarely see that. I mean, I have been in so many fields in my life, and I've only seen that a couple of times, where right in the row, oh, it's solid weeds, and in between the row, 
where you kick the dirt that had the herbicide, uh, it's perfectly clean. So a lot of times, here's what happens. You put it on two to four weeks in advance. You get a good rain at some point during, or snow, at some point during that two to four weeks. The stuff is activated. You go plant, and you're in good shape. So I, I guess here, here's the thing. We can, we can complain about Mother Nature, and just like I was saying a little bit ago, let's focus on what we can control. We can control when we spray. And so, or what we're doing for tillage and, and how we're treating these things. Here's the other thing. If it's a pretty clean field to begin with, I'm not too worried about it. You apply it however you want to. It's the very weediest field. That's where you might say, you know what, I got two really weedy fields. I'm just going to make a change. Maybe you go to fall application there. There's nothing wrong with a late fall application too. That's going to make your field a lot cleaner come spring. So there are other ways around this. But, yeah, I mean, once you're behind eight ball and all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, I don't have any other choice. I have to spray after I plant. Then you don't get rain for two or three weeks. Of course, then the weeds are going to be coming up. That's just the way it goes. We can complain about those things, but we have to say, all right, let's see if we can maybe make a change in the future so this doesn't happen again. You know, you're always learning on the farm, and in a lot of cases you get to do things once a year. So it's important to take some of those notes down and and remind yourself in the off season, hey, this is something that didn't work. It's something we've got to fix, something we got to change. Uh, anything big that you'd say, uh, man, we're going to do it different next time yet, or are you pretty happy with how things are going? Um, I don't know that there's anything necessarily that came up this year where I say, oh, we have to make a big change. I would say last year, I was very disappointed in our silage tonnage. The grain was great. The yield was great. But the tonnage wasn't as much as I wanted, and I really believed that we had a couple of issues. We probably planted a little bit too early uh, because the earlier you plant, the shorter the corn's going to be. And even though we put rise up, in other words, gibberellic acid on, it wasn't enough to overcome that. There still wasn't enough natural gibberellic acid getting produced by the plant. But the other thing was not enough nitrogen early in the season. You've got to have lots of nitrogen early in the season if you want lots of growth out of that plant. So it's almost the opposite of what we're looking for with grain corn. I want shorter corn. But with silage corn, we need it taller so we have more tonnage. Yeah, just a totally different crop. You think you're raising corn and yarn, but different type of corn, different goals in mind. And, and yeah, like, like I say, it's going to be a fun learning year and see what we figure out this time, things that we changed and, and how they turn out. Curious how things are going on your farm, what you're working on. We'd love to hear from you. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you have an agronomic question, we'd love to help with that too. Or if you want to talk about our topic of the day, controlling spray drift. We'll be right back after this. Back with multi-year proven results, Torque drives performance. Unique to other biologicals, Torque can be applied with other chemistries. Use in furrow or side dress to increase mycorrhizal associations, enhancing root development. Learn more about Torque at thinkbiological.com or contact your local retailer and ask for Torque today. Novozymes BioAg, Think Biological. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. 
with three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab. It's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Hi, I'm Greg Souter with 360 Yield Center. Getting more nitrates into the corn plant drives yields higher. When and where you place your nitrogen makes a big difference in packing nitrates into the air. 360 Y-Drop places in right over the roots. It's the most efficient way to move nitrates into the plant for better tip fill and heavier kernels. Convert your side dress bar to 360 Y-Drop. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. Warehouse, what can we do for you? Yeah, I'm looking for some nitrogen. All right, we're running low and it's awful pricey, but uh, let me check. Hold. The answer to low supply and high prices for nitrogen is Invita, a microbe with systemic nitrogen fixation. Invita works throughout the foliage and roots, providing a right place, right time source of nitrogen to maximize yield in corn, wheat, and soybeans. Yeah, we're all out, but... You know what? I'll take some of that Invita. <laughs> That's what I was going to recommend. Book your Invita while supplies last. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We are broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and our topic is controlling spray drift. We have had a few not very windy days on our farm. It's like, ah, oh, what a blessing. It was so much easier to spray. Uh, but it doesn't happen all the time, and often you have to pick your, your windows here and there. So we're going to talk about controlling spray drift, some of the things that you can control on your farm. We'll also be taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. All right, let's start off uh, the discussion on controlling spray drift by talking with Mark Burns with Case IH. Mark, how are you doing today? Doing well, Darren. How are you? Good, good. We're uh, just about done planting, and we got our pre-emerge herbicides on completely now. And before you know it, we're going to be spraying post-emerge, and there, there's a lot of things we can control on the farm. Weather, definitely not one of those. So what should be top of mind for farmers as they look to get out in the field with the sprayer? Well, I think you kind of hit it head on as we're at the mercy of Mother Nature and and you know, taking opportunities of those windows when they present themselves. But you know, even at that point, conditions conditions aren't always ideal, and so you know, anything that we can do to help mitigate that off-target application is is definitely desirable. You know, and there's a bunch of things I guess that a guy could start with. Um, you know, first off, looking at maybe a different type of tip rather than say an extended range going more with a drift reduction style. And, you know, maybe pairing that with like a, a PWM system like our in-command offering. You know, that's one thing that every once in a while on our show, we will get questions from folks that have not seen that AIM command system work before and say, wait, what's going on with that sprayer? Why is it so different? Talk to us about that. What What is different and, and what's what's the idea behind it? Well, you know, and, you know, PWM is, is really kind of a hot topic, you know, considering it's been around or we've been using a version of that since roughly 1998. But the, the big thing that caught people's eye, you know, at introduction and still does today is the ability to use those solenoids on the nozzle bodies to not only maintain your application rate, 
but then also work in conjunction with the plumbing on the sprayer to maintain a constant spray pressure. So as you speed up or slow down, uh, we don't get those pressure fluctuations, which can either you know make droplets too big or too small. So that's that's a really good tool in the in the arsenal when it comes to uh, to maintaining optimum coverage. Hey, you mentioned that droplet size, and you know when you think about that, we we want that droplet a certain size, but every nozzle that we've got, there's going to be a few big particles, a few small. Uh, how big a difference does that make with with aim command and and what you're doing there? Well, yeah, and and typically all of that is revolving around a VMD or volume median diameter. So you're going to have some that are going to be a little bigger, some that are going to be a little smaller, but you know, on average, they will fall into that that droplet classification, if you will. And, uh, you know, that's that's really where, you know, we're going to rely on folks to consult either with an agronomist or reading their, their chemical label to make sure that we're using the droplets where that formulation is going to work best. When you're looking at sprayers running through the field, there are a lot of things that can influence spray drift one of them being speed and i don't know mark you've developed nice sprayers it's really comfortable to be in the cab i like getting stuff done it's hard not to go too fast when everything is running smooth out in the field what's a safe speed to be operating at and what are some of the things we should worry about with speed and just getting good coverage well um you know that's really uh <laughs> that one is is really tough to put a to put an actual number on, Darren. You know, we've got folks that say, "Well, I don't spray any more than ten miles an hour," and if that's what you're comfortable with, you know, so be it. We can pick the right tip. We can help you achieve the the droplet spectrum we're looking for at that speed. Uh, we've got certain customers, you know, especially you get into the western provinces of Canada where. Um, they want to go, and and by go it's 25 plus mile an hour. To me, that's a touch fast, but um, you know they're they're out there doing it. Um, the other thing I guess that you have to to watch out for, especially as that speed increases, is the amount of dust and turbulence that are kicked up by the tires, um, because that is definitely something where spray droplets will latch onto those dust particles, and they'll they'll never hit, and then you end up with you know coverage problems in those wheel tracks. So. There, there are some challenges as we speed up, that's for sure. You know, that's exactly right. And kicking up the dust behind the, the wheels has really shown up the last couple of years, at least in our region where we've been dry. And we've had guys say, man, I got a, I got some streaks in my field, and they just happen to be every 90 feet. <laughs> and the guy's got a 90-foot <laughs> spray. It's like, huh, something here doesn't add up because uh, those kinds of things don't happen in nature. It's something we've done out there. And, you know, the other thing, as you look at this, we are covering big, wide swaths, and it's great to have less wheel tracks out there. Uh, a lot has changed with these booms, and I, I know what we used to spray with when I was growing up. Uh, we've got some pretty heavy-duty booms now. Yeah, you know, there's been, you know, as much um, advances has been given to the actual chassis of the sprayer itself between cabs and ride and, you know, all those good creature comforts. You know, probably the, the most important piece on that particular unit is what hangs off the back end being the spray boom. And so, um, you know, as as machines have gotten bigger, as booms have gotten wider, um, you know, you have to pay special attention to boom construction. You know, typically we see the longer the boom, guys or manufacturers looking at alternative um, products to use rather than just steel. So you're seeing the 
the inclusion of aluminum and carbon fiber and whatnot to help minimize that weight out there and, and still do a good job. A couple of things have come up here recently, Mark. Uh, one question we've had quite a bit about has been spray tips. How often should we be replacing them? Is there a certain, I, I know we used to look at plastic as, well, that's not as good. We should get brass or we should have something different. There's a lot of different spray material or materials being used for tips. Which ones are the best and how often do we need to be replacing? Well, um, a lot of that really, you know, I hate to tell a person that you have to use a, you know, brass tip or, you know, maybe something ceramic or something like that. It's a little harder. Um, they do tend to last a little bit longer, but then we also have to pay attention to what kind of products that we're actually applying. You know, the, the straight water-based type materials, um, you're going to get a little bit longer life than something that's got a little more abrasiveness to it. Um, so, you know, one of the things we work with our field staff when they're out visiting with customers and dealers is it's not a bad idea to just do an actual visual spray check of these. You know, run some run some water out on the parking lot and just making sure that we're getting, you know, the the good overlap, that we're getting decent and consistent droplets, you know, coming from nozzle to nozzle. Um, you know, we've got folks that are um, changing every year depending upon the number of acres they spray and then, like I said, what they spray. But then on the flip side, you have folks that, uh, you know, the, this changing of spray tips is kind of the last thing on their mind, and hopefully they don't run into trouble because of that. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I, I just look at it, it's a low-dollar item, and I always kind of start with the low-dollar items of, okay, if I get those things working perfect, that <laughs> it's a pretty cheap fix to make the sprayer operate that much better. And we're going over our field so many times anymore. It used to be that we just go across twice, but now we're doing fungicides, insecticides, lots of different things, even foliar fertilizer application. We need those tips to be perfect. Uh, and the last thing, Mark, that I was thinking about too is just boom height. And I know for us, we've got a lot of rolling hills and our guys just hate to break anything. They hate to have anything to slow them down the field, but I'm always pushing our guys to keep that boom down what do you see with that? Is there is there technology to help us coming, or is that something we just got to watch real close? Well, um, you know, we we do, and especially like you were describing, rolling hills, terraces, things like that, where you know, across the span of ninety to one hundred thirty-five ish feet worth of boom, is that ground can change dramatically. Um, so the use of a of a boom height control system is going to pay dividends you know it's one less thing for uh for that sprayer operator to have to continually monitor you know we just let the the technology go ahead and monitor either you know and that's one of the nice things with our auto boom xrt is we can set uh, how we want this thing to to read whether it's ground or whether it's canopy and let the boom adjust from there well like you say it's one less thing that we have to worry about when we can utilize technology to help us been talking with mark burns here with case ih mark thank you so much really appreciate having you on stay tuned we'll be right back the hard-working independent spirit of rural america can often be isolating it's not often discussed but mental health issues are real now's the time to lead by example Talk openly and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health through awareness, guidance, and action. Together, we can uproot the stigma. The 
winds are coming! The winds are coming! Hey! I'll reveal! This whole midnight ride thing is getting really... But the HPPD-resistant weeds are coming! We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Oh, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Learn on the job with the CNB Apprenticeship Program. Through in-person training and on-the-job experience, this unique opportunity gives you the chance to learn advanced ag diesel technology without the traditional technical school format or expense. Learn more at cbequipment.com careers. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio today, talking about controlling spray drift, but we'll always tackle any agronomic question you have. You can just give us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We started talking technology there, and I thought, huh, well, Brady Bjornson with TopCon will have a little to say about that. Brady, thanks for joining us today. Yep, thanks. Glad to be on again. You know, it is, it's not like it was uh, back in the 80s running a sprayer. We got a lot of controls now. We got a lot of different options and things we can do. And we were talking with Mark Burns from Case IH, and he's like, you know, if we got things that we can help the grower not have to watch eight things on the sprayer and just keep a focus on what they really need to focus on, it sure is helpful and we can do a better job spraying. Absolutely. You know, and, and like what we talked about in the, uh, you know, the manure segment here a couple of weeks ago, you know, if you're taking a look at your four R's and what you can do from a technology standpoint to mitigate risk of driftability, you know, number one, taking a look at your chemical. Every single chemical is going to have its list of conditions that it needs to be applied in. You know, is it going to be too windy? Is it going to be too high relative humidity? Uh, are we going to cause temperature inversions? We've got to be taking a look at our chemical. You know, we talk about weather conditions. You know, I'm up here in the Red River Valley. 
you can probably count all the times on uh, two hands uh, that it's not windy enough to uh, to spray. Um, the other side of that, take a look at your tips. Take a look at your rate controller. Is it an older rate controller or a newer rate controller? Newer the better, you know, better better accuracy. And then lastly, boom high control system. I mean, when we take a look at, you know, utilizing the right tool, especially for these Generation 4, Generation 5 Dicamba products that are coming out onto the, uh, onto the market, we really do need to take a look at, you know, Dicamba is a really good tool. Are we really using those tools correctly? Or some of these E3 combinations, you know, the moniker that everything's a hammer except for a screwdriver because that's a chisel, you know, really makes us think, are we really using the right tool here? You know, when we take a look at, you know, going from, uh, you know, right product placement, which is one big piece of this to decrease the spray driftability, number one thing you got to be looking at is really going to be a boom height control system. Um, these boom height control systems either use radar or ultrasonic to make sure you're getting good product placement in that canopy. Most of these uh, systems are all going to have multiple modes in them, whether it's a crop mode, a field mode, or a hybrid mode. With something like crop mode, you know, you're going to be looking at pre-emerge or a fungicide application being, you know, 6 inches, 12 inches above that crop to make sure we can get that chemical down into the foliage and kill off whatever it is we need to kill off. Or we can be taking a look at soil mode in a pre-emerge situation and making sure we're getting pretty good burn down and that we're not going to have that spray just up and move off into the neighbor's field. You know, the big issue with that is you'll take a look at Minnesota Pollution Control. They'll find you $10,000 per incident. You could have multiple incidences per field. I mean, you could rack up $100,000 in fines pretty quick if you're not controlling, you know, what's really going out there. Whether it's the chemical as a technology, whether it's, you know, the boom control system or the rate control system as technology, all that has to work together. There's really no one, you know, silver bullet as, uh, as Mr. Burns had talked about in the, uh, the, the, previous, uh, the previous one. It's really a combination of systems coming together that all work together. You know, whether it's something that is on ISOBUS or they're all complete, you know, separate systems, you as the operator are either going to have to manage that yourself or, you know, uh, be looking at investing in technology to have the technology manage it for you. So we take a look at you know, older sprayers versus newer sprayers. You know, you talked about back in the 80s, everyone's running on speed and pressure to put the rate down. You know, we, we've, we've advanced since the 1980s, thankfully. So yes, being pressure is a function of that, especially pressure when it comes to selecting your nozzle tip and making sure you've got the right droplet size. But the other part of that is how do we go through and we upgrade what we already have? You know, as the cost of equipment continues to increase, 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 you know, we're looking at what do we have to do to upgrade the stuff that we currently have sitting out at our farm, whether it's a rate controller, boom eye control, auto guidance, um, you know, so on and so forth. You know, if we take a look at boom, boom height control, for example, you know, from a, a right placement standpoint, it's pretty easy to go update some of these legacy systems that are out in the market today, you know, pretty cheaply. I mean, for a couple thousand dollars, if you currently have a valve block that's out there, it's pretty easy to go and upgrade that with some new sensors and a new ECU or going through and completely replacing that with, a, like, for example, a brand new UC7 system. Talking with Brady Bjornson here with TopCon, and obviously uh, these guys at TopCon sell products but also do a lot of work for the big manufacturers. So sometimes you're using TopCon technology and you don't even realize it because they've got a contract with uh, another provider to put it into their machine. So you get to work with everybody out there, Brady. What what are you seeing that's coming? Uh, you've talked about a lot of things that are here right now. Are there some more exciting tools coming? I know we've got a lot of demand for it, certainly like you've mentioned Dicamba and 2,4-D, but there are other issues with drift too. Yeah, it, the big thing that a lot of guys are looking at is really that that droplet size control. So if we take a look at, you know, again, I take take a look at the Red River Valley as an example of this, where we've got you know some some pretty windy conditions. If I decrease my droplet size 
I am going to increase the likelihood of that you know, chemical up and leaving into my neighbor's field. If I increase that droplet size, I'm actually increasing the weight of the droplet, which can help force that chemical back down into the, uh, back down into the foilage or down on the ground where I need it to be effective. You know, droplet size is probably the next big thing that uh, guys are going to be looking at. I know it's something that we're certainly looking at. Um, you know, that's probably the next piece of the next piece of the puzzle that's uh, the lowest hanging fruit. Well, you pair those two things together. If you control the boom height, I've seen guys out there on days that I thought, man, I think it's a little too windy. But then I see them using great big droplets, delivering a soil applied product or a fertility product. And I think, man, you can really accomplish that if you keep that boom down low and keep the droplet size up. A hundred percent. And that's the other thing, you know, if we take a look at like a blue control system, for example, the closer we can hug that ground and make sure that we've got that good cone penetration or that good cone overlap that's going to give us our, our spray pattern, the closer we can get that product to where it needs to be. And the, the, the larger the droplet size that we can use, the better our coverage is going to be and the less likely we're going to be, you know, we're going to be uh, having drift. The other part of that is when we took like a boom height control system of being close to the crop or being close to the ground, it allows us to hug the contour of that ground at a higher speed than what we would have been able to do manually. You know, well, my control systems are certainly not uh, obstacle avoidance systems, but they do allow you to increase your speed and cover more acres and do a higher quality job. And that's probably the one thing that we want to take a look at from just a technology and general viewpoint is that the purpose for technology to be there is to allow you to cover more acres in a day more efficiently. You know, Quantity has a quality all of its own, but we want to have high quantity with high quality. Otherwise, our neighbors are going to be calling us and we're going to be paying some fines. And that is certainly not what any, any grower wants to have. Well, it just makes it less stressful, too. And like you mentioned, you've got auto guidance, and that really helps because now you can be looking around at some of these other things. They're not... Uh, not complete idiot-proof things yet. You still have to have some common sense to run equipment. But uh, when you've got these tools that are going to do 90% of it for you where you just have to watch for a few things or you know where the terrain is varying, where you're really going to have to watch stuff close and where you aren't. So, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of interesting things there. How about with some of these individual nozzle controls and uh, some of the ways we can really fine-tune the last little details? Well, and, and that's a really good point. I mean, we take a look at independent nozzle control. I mean, let's say you've got a 120-foot boom, 10-inch nozzle spacing. It's 144 nozzles. You know, it seems like it's a large expense to go and get something like that. But when you take a look at the chemical application savings on a 1,500-acre operation, assuming, you know, two, three, uh, two, three uh, passes for pre-emergence and post-emerge work, it can pay for itself very quickly. You know, at the end of the day, if we're really taking a look at return on investment, we're going to go spend, you know, let's say a hypothetical $25,000 on, on independent nozzle control. Uh, if you could go get that back in a year, you'd be scouring the farm for every other, every other opportunity you can find to go spend that same $25,000. I mean, that's probably three quarters of, or excuse me, one quarter of what a brand new F-150 costs today. You know, you get three years worth of that. That's, that's the equivalent of a brand new F-150. And that's kind of the mindset that you have to have is when I take a look at the cost, the return on investment, how do I equate that either in my own man hours or what I could have gotten with, with that, with that money from a purchase standpoint. Yeah, great tips here. We're talking with Brady Bjornson with TopCon. Lots of things to look at and, and upgrading to new equipment, or even if you take your old equipment and find some of these tools that Brady's been talking about that for just a couple thousand dollars or a few thousand dollars, you can make your machine operate really close to what a new one would operate and just make that spray job so much more fun and less stressful on your farm. Brady, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the tips. Look forward to talking to you again down the road. Yep, 10-4. Thank you. 
talking about controlling spray drift today. And if you knew you could do some things to control spray drift where it's not going to be a problem and you aren't going to have to pay any fines or apologize to any neighbors or anything like that, uh, it, it just makes it so much so much easier to think about spraying. It takes away a lot of that stress. So we'll talk more about some of those things you should keep in mind when we come back right after this break. Stay tuned. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Nothing but net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on army worms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions. Are you ready? We got the need! Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at soilwarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking about controlling spray drift, but also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844 44 ag phd let's go back to the phone lines get our friend matt miles with the extreme ag group he farms down in arkansas matt how's it going on your farm pretty good how are you doing 
Not too bad. We're almost done planting up here, and I asked Brian if he was getting nervous about it, and even Brian's not nervous about it, Matt. He's relaxed right now. I, I think this is a good sign for us on the farm this year. Oh, yeah, that's that's a really good sign. You, you can't beat that at all. I'm actually, today I'm actually about two miles from Chad Henderson's house. We've got a field day here tomorrow, and I drove all morning to get here. There you go. All right. What are you seeing as you as you head down from Arkansas all the way down to Alabama? What are crops looking like? You know, everything looks pretty good. Of course, we went through a lot of cold and a lot of rain early. Uh, you know, so our corn, our corn to me is not just exactly where we want it to be, but we probably got the best start on soybeans we've ever had. That is scary, knowing that you guys have raised well over 100 bushel beans multiple times. Uh, maybe this would be – I don't want to jinx it. I, I'll just leave that at, at that point. But, hey, talk to us about spring. This is one of the challenges that, that we have every year. And I, the reason that I brought up Brian not being nervous right now or rushing things – I think sometimes we get nervous about, I see weeds out there. I know they're going to be tougher to control, but waiting that extra day or two until the winds calm down and conditions are perfect and temperatures right is, is really difficult. Oh, did I lose you there, Matt? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, there you go. Now I can hear you. Uh, so it's hard to okay. wait sometimes for the ideal weather when you're when you're pushed and when you got some tough weeds. You got Palmer pigweed or or other tough ones out there. What do you do to control spray drift so you can be out there more hours to get things done? We struggled with that because of the dicamba issues and things, and so we've probably become smarter on, you know. Uh, than, than I ever have before ever since Dicamba came out. So uh, I guess you can still hear me okay, right? Uh, yep, yep. We've cut out a couple times, but I can hear you good now. Okay, I'm trying to get to a spot where I can – you realize I'm in Alabama. So I was, I was going to say, uh, Matt, if you get too close to Chad, then, then all things can go crazy. You just never know what's going to happen then. That's right. But we, we've had to learn, you know, we've had to learn about inversions, uh, you know, or be more smart with the inversions, uh, different temperatures, different times of spray. Uh, you know, we, we went to better tips, uh, pulsating sprayers. Uh, it's something that if you ever get caught in that situation, you know, with the drift that, that you know, it, it's not a good thing for you or your neighbors. No, no, that's for sure. And, and you mentioned dicamba, and obviously that's the, the hot item that everyone wants to talk about. And it's tough because that one does have some volatility to it. So at least controlling the spray drift and keeping it in the field uh, when you're applying it is a big point. It, when we look at spray drips, or I'm sorry, spray tips and droplet size, certainly there's been a lot of regulation on that with dicamba. Has that helped? Has it changed things on your farm and in the state of Arkansas? Well, you know, it, it's helped. It as far as helping, as far as you know, killing the weeds, it's 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 probably not <clears throat> been as good. But I mean, there you know, there's certain things, certain hoops you have to jump through uh, to be able to use those tools. Whether it's dicamba and lias. You know, we've got rice that we've got different rice varieties that are, you know, there's three different, uh, you know, tolerance types rices. And, and those may three be planted by different farmers in the same block. So we've had to go to those tips. And I'll tell you something else that's really helped us a lot. Uh, Spray Tech has a, a product called Full Tech, and it's probably been the best drift retardant, you know, that we've seen, 
you know, to mix in our sprayers. You know, because we, we still spray a lot of Paraquat. So, you know, we, we're, we're looking at Paraquat and Leas, Dicamba, uh, you know, all these different technologies plus multiple crops. It, it's, it's something we have to watch and pay attention to every single day. Well, I believe it with resistance issues and like you mentioned, multiple crops, we're always trying to spray multiple effective modes of action. And that often means three or four different things in the tank. So you're right. Even if you say, well, two of the three products don't have any problem, but the third one does. So we've got to use every technology that that's available to us to try to control that. Hey, you mentioned the field day that you're doing down at Chad Henderson's. I'm assuming that's an extreme ag field day. And is that one open to, to extreme ag members? Where can they find more details if they're in the area? Well, it's open to, it's, you know, open to anyone. It's, uh, it's sponsored by AgriLiquids and, uh, you know, they've got some great products there. We're going to have, uh, Chad's, Chad's got a lot of different demonstrations. He's got, he's got the seek and spray sprayer here, uh, there's like a hundred people already, um, you know, already registered for it. And it's, uh, it's in, uh, um, Huntsville, Alabama. And I think it starts maybe at, at 10 o'clock in the morning. Excellent. Well, certainly you guys have enough presence online. I, I'm sure everyone can find that. Uh, just check out Chad Henderson or Matt Miles to, to find a little bit more of the Extreme Ag Group uh, with a field day down at Chad Henderson's tomorrow with AgriLiquid and, and others, I'm sure. Well, Matt, thank you so much. You're always so kind with your time and, and advice. We really appreciate having you on today. Good luck tomorrow at your field day, too. Yes, sir. Thank you, buddy. Talking controlling spray drift, and, and Matt brought up a lot of things here, uh, one of them being multiple crops in the area. And I, I know we're raising some conventional soybeans on our farm this year. And I was talking to one of my neighbors, and they're raising Extend Flex soybeans. And, and he said, yep, what are you guys doing for beans this year? Because last year we did Enlist Beans, and we've always got a little bit of everything around, too, with the field day and whatnot and plots and and I said, well, we're going to do conventional beans. And I could just see him and his dad just shrink. They're like, oh, no, we really got to watch out. And I, I said, well, fortunately, I'm not right across the fence from you. Right across the fence from you, I'm corn this year. So we should be we should be in a good spot there. But uh, it, it just does make you nervous when you know there's a sensitive crop nearby. So controlling spray diff makes all the sense in the world. Uh, Matt talked about a few things there. Inversions was another thing that he talked about. And I know for, for us, one of the big rules is just not being out there the first hour of the day, the last hour of the day, and maybe some days a couple hours away from that just to avoid those inversion times. And already this spring, there have been several what I thought were really good spray days. And then I look up in the sky and I see somebody burning or I see a smoke stack and I see smoke go straight up just a little bit and then straight across. That's how you can see when there's an air inversion. Then you can also hear air inversions. We were out filming an Ag PhD show one of those mornings and we could hear the train from several miles away. And we thought, man, that's how are we hearing that today? But it was an air inversion. And when that air is is still and not moving, sound is going to travel a long ways. So that's something big. And the other thing is you can smell an air inversion. Sometimes you can smell something from miles and miles away. Now, if you've got a, a livestock operation, you don't raise livestock. You, you say, well, I'm a few miles away. I never smelled them. On an air inversion day, that's the day that you might. So it's just something that you can see, 
You can smell, you can even hear air inversions. So just be on, on alert for those because that can lead to more movement of your spray too. Uh, and then temperature, you notice on the dicamba label, they talk a lot about when we get warm days. We have lots of humidity and lots of hot temperatures. That Those are days that things can move around just a little bit more. We, we see the crop opening up more when you've got hot, humid days, and maybe the crop's just taking in a little bit more too, and that's part of the equation. But we definitely encourage you to follow those labels. There's reasons why each of those limits are there, and it's to protect us so we don't have problems with those products. Um, finally, the last thing uh, that Matt said that I'd comment on is drift retardants. And you know what? If we can control with spray tips and we say, I've got a tip that's going to produce a little bigger droplet or a more consistent size droplet, one thing you can also do to help those out is use a drift retardant. With any drift retardants, and Matt said they'd found one that's really working for them, uh, and that's great because there are some really good ones out there. Just always start. We, Our dad used to always tell us, just start with a half a rate of drift retardant and then work your way up. When you see, okay, I'm not messing up my spray pattern at all, great. You can put a little bit more in. But just be cautious that you don't overdo those or, or get the rate wrong because you definitely can shrink that pattern up so you aren't getting the overlap between tips that you'd like. We'll continue this discussion on controlling spray drift, and we'll also dive into the Ag PhD mailbag coming up next. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual mode of action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions. This is Officer Jones calling for backup. 10-4, location? Graver back 40. Looks like we've got Palmer amaranth, kochia, some common water hemp. Resistant weeds. Copy that. You'll need a good tank mix partner. I'm sending tough 5EC. Come out with your hands up! Guys, we're surrounded. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belgian Crop Protection. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excaldia fungicide from Valent USA. 
Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Hey everybody, come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We have reached the Ag PhD Mailbag time. We're taking your email questions, radio at agphd.com. Or you can just, just give us a call on the phone, 844-44-AG-PHD. First one comes in from NK, says, you guys are talking about sweet corn versus field corn the other day. Can you tell us more about sunflower? You know what, NK? Thanks for the for the question. Yeah, we'll definitely talk more about sunflower. I know coming up this summer, a uh, lot of issues with sunflowers there. They get a lot of diseases, and so we do get a lot of questions around fungicide use, and we see nice gains using fungicides, and certainly bugs can be a problem. You definitely don't want a bug chewing through your sunflower seed. So we're going to be concerned about bugs and diseases. Also, the other thing with sunflowers we found, they're really responsive to fertility, especially phosphorus and my favorite, potassium. When we get good levels of potassium in the soil, like base saturations, 4 to 7%, we see bigger, thicker stalks. We have less disease problems, and we end up with higher yields too. So that that's a big one. And then finally, weed control with sunflowers. Probably the number one question we get on sunflowers, how do we control the weeds? We have to start with a good pre-emerge program to get weeds under control in sunflowers, or we're in trouble. So... If you're thinking about planting sunflowers, that pre-emerge is going to be the big thing. And we love to use a couple different modes of action if we can. Uh, Brian, what what are your favorite pre's on sunflowers? Well, it's, it, it's more of what is there rather than my favorites because we don't have a whole lot of choices. Pretty much all you got is Spartan and then one of the yellows, either Prowl and No-Till Sonalan, Trecloralin in uh, conventional till. Now, you could also run with something like Authority Supreme, where you've got the dual component in there, Group 15. So, I mean, theoretically, you could technically make a three-pre program out of this, but the problem is it'd be a yellow, a Group 15, and uh, Spartan, the PPO. But I, I just tell everybody, always, you have to get Spartan out there for sure. And then if you want to use a yellow or group 15, either way is fine. I prefer the yellow, but, I mean, that's, that's kind of all you're left with. So, like, comparing it to soybeans, in soybeans, we can use metribuzin. In sunflowers, the metribuzin would kill the sunflowers, obviously. So we can't do that there. So that gives up one of our very best modes of action on some of the toughest sunflower weeds, like palmer pigweed, water hemp, and kochia. 
Yep, sunflowers are a fun crop. They're very responsive to management. So if you're going to raise it, you, you definitely got to be willing to, to do a little bit of work if you want to be super successful. Okay, get this one uh, in from BT, who said, guys, the three pre's on soybeans. I'm wondering uh, how far ahead of planting would you have to be, or could you chase the sprayer with the planter in a no-till situation? Yes. Yep, yeah. sure could. So with Prowl, technically it's not going to be labeled after you plant the beans north of Interstate 80. And the reason why is just because they worry about, hey, if you get a great big rain just as the beans are emerging and you hadn't had rain before, so the prowl wasn't spread around and the ground is fairly black, in other words, there's not a lot of residue out there, it's possible that so much prowl could go into that soybean plant, it could hurt the stem, and later on in the year, that plant will get knocked over with a big wind. That rarely happened anyway, we've seen it before, but it's not a common occurrence, but Nevertheless, you can't spray prowl after you've planted north of Interstate 80. And by the way, Interstate 80, that'd be through like Des Moines, Iowa. So just think about that kind of location or Omaha, Nebraska. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, Got this one about corn and it comes from Brandon in Southwest Pennsylvania. He said, guys, I have never used a residual herbicide before. This year I plan to use a generic version of Sure Start that would have Surpass, Stinger, and Python in it. I was going to mix that with glyphosate and put it on pre-plant surface applied in front of corn. We've got wet weather right now in our part of Pennsylvania. I'm wondering about crop injury potential with the ALS portion of this product. I'm a little bit gun shy here. Uh, What do you think? Would I be ahead to just use straight surpass or do you think I'll see any issues with that Python component in there? Okay. So with the old broad strike duel 20 plus years ago, probably 25 years ago, they saw some injury in Iowa when they were spraying in early to mid April when it was very cold and wet. I don't worry about wet. I do worry a little about cold, but they were also running much higher rates than you're going to have with your generic SureStart. So I'm not too worried about it. I, I, I would feel perfectly comfortable. I'm fine. Darren, what do you think? I'm fine too, depending on the rate. And that's one of those things like with SureStart, generally guys are using a pint and three quarters here. That's only got a half an ounce of Python in it. So we don't see a big issue. What about pH levels? You know, that's the the thing here you don't mention, Brandon, what your soil pHs are. Where would you be concerned about this, Brand? For us, we always liked Python better when we got into high pH soil because it really wiped out velvet leaf for us. Uh, but I'm sure there's yep. a point that you can kind of push it there too. Yeah, but think about it. Like back all those years ago when guys were having some crop response in Iowa, they weren't dealing with super high pH. A lot of those guys had to be liming just to keep the pH up. So I, I think it's much more a factor of rate and cold temperatures. But, yes, you're right. I mean, the python is going to be a little bit more active in the high pH soil. So, anyway, just don't get carried away on the rate and I think you're going to be just fine. No problems at all. All right. Good luck to you, Brandon. Uh, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you to use residual herbicide. I think you're going to like it. All right. Uh, get this one in from Todd. And he said, I'm curious, you guys were talking about the difference between sweet corn and field corn. Not a farmer here. Just curious, when you're driving by a field, 
should a non-farmer be able to know which is which out there? Now, I don't know if Todd's just looking for some free sweet corn, Brian, but uh, he's looking for that key identifying feature. I think here's what I would say, and you can, can chime in too, Brian. Sweet corn, generally smaller. It's shorter plant, yep. and usually you see yep. a different looking tassel. It's usually a, a white tassel that that uh, doesn't doesn't look like field corn. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say shorter, almost for sure. In terms of the different tassel, maybe. So, it, I mean, all these things are really dependent on what variety you have of the field corn and what variety you have of the sweet corn. So, I, yeah, I. I mean, there's no, it's not, um, so you, okay, it's not like the difference between corn and soybeans where you go, oh, that for sure is going to be sweet corn and that for sure is going to be field corn. When you're driving 60 miles an hour down the road, or maybe faster, um, it's probably going to be a little hard to tell. I usually notice it just if I see some really short corn, I go, oh yeah, chances are that's that's, uh, sweet corn. All right. Thanks for the question, Todd. I got this one from Aaron over in Wisconsin. He said, all right, guys, going to spl- going to spray the three pre's ahead of soybeans, but also doing a little burn down in that same pass. We've got small weeds, not very much pressure. We're going to put Roundup and Enlist in with three pre's. Any concerns you have with that mix? And also just wondering, what would you run for gallons per acre to get good coverage? <clears throat> Um, I'm not too worried about any of that. So if you want to put them all together, that's fine. We've always said over the years, we really like Roundup by itself. I mean, without the 2,4-D component when you're going after perennials, and then you run a real high rate on the Roundup. The 2,4-D will shut down the plant before the Roundup can get in and kill the roots. So, or at least do a good job on the roots on those perennials. So that would be my only potential hang-up. The odds are slim you're after that anyway. How, how about trying to burn down all the stuff that's there. How about this, Brian? It, it, yeah, it depends on which weeds are out there. Because if they're Roundup resistant, right. then you're going to need the Enlist in there. But you're going to get right. some burn out of the Metribuzin. You're going to get some burn out of the Sharpen or uh, Valor or yep. Authority, that component. As long as you're adding some oil in there, you could do that too. Yes, you can, but it's probably still not going to be enough to burn back mare's tail or maybe even some henbit or some other winter annual that's big. That's my concern all the time is how big are the weeds we're talking about and which specific weeds are we after? All right. Well, Aaron, you can do it all. Uh, Generally, 10 gallons of water or less. Is that a fair bet, Brent? Yeah, I mean, every farmer out there wants to haul less water, and you absolutely can do it with these pre's. I don't really worry about it too much, but when we're after coverage, trying to get a burn down, besides just getting the pre herbicide out there, we need to have enough water to get that coverage. So, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of times guys are running 7 to 10 gallons. All right, good luck to you, Aaron. Thanks for the question. And thanks to you for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.